everyone. I hope you're all doing well and welcome back to episode number seven of the Criminal Makeup Podcast. Each episode, we dive into the minds of some of the worst criminals in history. And today, we are going to be talking about the case of Tracy Andrews. So today, we're going to be covering another case from the UK. And the case of Tracy Andrews is actually pretty infamous over here. This case took place back in 1996. And when the full crimes of Tracy Andrews were revealed, it definitely became a bit of a shocking media sensation. This case got so much attention because of a particular press conference that Tracy gave. And if you've listened to the first episode of this podcast about Mick Philpott, then you'll probably have a good idea of the kind of press conference that I'm talking about. And let's just say not all was what it seemed in that press conference. And this case was particularly strange for me when I first started doing the research because it takes place in Birmingham in the UK and this is where I'm from. And this was the first and only case really that I know where it took place. I know all the places and I've actually been to some of the places. But anyway, Tracy Andrews committed a very terrible crime. There was a lot of background and build up before this happened and we have all of that to get through. So let's just jump into the story and find out what made Tracy Andrews so infamous here in the UK. So Tracy Andrews was born on the 9th of April, 1969, which makes her an Aries. And today's case takes place in Alverchurch, which is like a small, I don't even know if you would class it as a town because it's really, really small, but a small town just outside of Birmingham. And Tracy lived in Alverchurch as an adult and I couldn't actually find out where she was born and where she was raised, but her parents also live in Alverchurch and I just kind of got the feeling that she was also born and raised in Alverchurch. And Tracy's parents had quite a volatile relationship and her dad walked out when Tracy was eight years old and this really affected Tracy. It kind of stayed with her like all through her childhood and into her adult life and when leaving school Tracy did become a hairdresser for a short period of time and then she went on to be a barmaid at the Red Lion pub in Alverchurch but she had dreams of becoming a model like that was what she wanted to do. She even had professional photos taken to put together a portfolio in hopes of becoming a model. At the age of 22 Tracy did fall pregnant and gave birth birth to a girl named Carla. The father of the child was her current boyfriend, Andy, and they had been together for around four years. They did split up shortly after the birth of Carla. And Andy puts the breakup down to the fact that Tracy was just quite aggressive quite violent and she would just get really worked up and angry over the smallest things. Now, a few years later, it's now 1994, Tracy is currently 25. She meets a man called Lee Harvey at a nightclub in Birmingham. And it's said that the two had like an instant attraction to one another. I don't wanna say love at first sight, but it was like an instant connection. Now, Lee Harvey was born on the 20th of September, 1971, making him a Virgo. And he is 23 years old when he meets Tracy. And he also grew up in Birmingham. He is from Kings Norton, I think, which again is so strange because I know Kings Norton quite well. And he worked as a bus driver, which was his dream job since he was a child. And like Tracy, he did have a daughter as well from a previous relationship whose name was Danielle. Another reason why this case is so weird for me, because it's the first case where someone has my name, which is always weird. And Lee is described by everyone that knows him as a family man. He's really close with his daughter, Danielle and he's really close 
with his parents and his sister. Okay, so going back to the nightclub now, which was the night that they met. Like I said, they hit it off straight away and they end up spending the night together. And their relationship moves very, very quickly, like so quickly. Literally, it's a whirlwind. Within four months of the meeting, Lee moves into Tracy's house and they start living together. However, the relationship was definitely not perfect. It was a pretty volatile relationship to say the least. They would fight and argue constantly. And a lot of their arguments would stem back to the same issue. And that was Lee's relationship with his daughter's mom, Anita. So Lee's relationship with the mother of his child, Anita, um, they stayed civil, they stayed quite close for the sake of their daughter. And this really bothered Tracy. They're trying to just raise their daughter, you know, together, but they're obviously not together. They're just trying to do their best. And Tracy didn't like how close they were. I don't think there was anything going on between Lee and Anita, but Tracy just didn't like how close they were. I don't know if she was jealous or insecure or just a bit controlling, I don't know, but uh, she just didn't like their relationship at all. But then at the same time, Lee also didn't like the relationship between Tracy and her daughter's father, because Tracy and her daughter's father also remained kind of close and civil to raise their daughter. Lee would often accuse Tracy of still having feelings for the father of her daughter, um, and vice versa. It was just very toxic, very volatile, and a lot of their arguments would always stem back to their relationship with their exes. However, this isn't the only source of tension in Lee and Tracy's relationship. Lee's family did not like Tracy at all. <laughs> they didn't like how controlling she was. She was very self-obsessed. She was very arrogant. They just got a vibe from her. They just didn't like her. There just was like something off about her, you know? And this caused issues. I mean, it would, wouldn't it? And after a lot of the arguments that Tracy and Lee would have, they would actually break up. So Lee would pack his bags, move out of the house and go back and live with his mom. And then it was just like this constant cycle. Lee would go back to Tracy, then they would argue, break up, Lee would move out. One argument in particular like got so heated that Tracy took all of Lee's belongings, put them into black bin liners and chucked them out the window. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm laughing because I actually know someone in my life that did this. So Lee and Tracy were just like that couple. I feel like we all know a couple like Tracy and Lee that are just constantly arguing, constantly breaking up, constantly getting back together. However, there was this one incident where things just went way too far. So Tracy was going out with her girlfriends and she told Lee, like, I don't want you to come to the same nightclub as me. I just want to go out with my girlfriends. I don't want to see you. I don't want you to be around. I just want to go have fun with my girlfriends. But Lee turned up at the nightclub anyway. Now, I couldn't find out if this was a coincidence. Like, Lee just so happened to go to the same nightclub. Maybe he didn't know the nightclub that Tracy was going to or whether it was done on purpose. But anyway, Lee ends up at the same nightclub as Tracy, and Tracy is so angry. She is causing a scene, she loses it. She gets so angry at Lee that she slaps him, she punches him, and then she bites him. And one of Lee's friends has said that it looked like someone had taken a bite out of an apple. I think the bite was on his neck. It looked like somebody had taken a bite out of an apple, but didn't take the chunk away. 
Oh God, can you imagine? Oh God, that would have been painful. Oh God, anything with the neck freaks me out. I don't know why, I just, oh. So then after this incident, I don't know how long after this incident, uh, Lee decides to propose to Tracy. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's just like, why? <laughs> but Lee proposes to Tracy because he thinks that if he proposes to Tracy, this will make the relationship a little bit more stable. Why do people always think that? What is a ring gonna really do? Tracy is over the moon with this engagement and she's like trying to figure out how do I announce this to everybody? Because if there is anything that you should know about Tracy is that she loves being center of attention. So announcing something like an engagement, she would have been in her element. So she's trying to plan out how to announce to the family that her and Lee are engaged. And there is a family barbecue coming up and she's like, this is perfect. We can announce it to everyone and then we can be the center of attention for the rest of the night. Okay, so Lee and Tracy arrive to the barbecue, but they do arrive a little bit late. Don't know why, but I wouldn't be surprised if it was because of an argument. So when they get to the barbecue, Lee's sister stands up and tells everybody that she's got an announcement to make. She announces to the whole family that she's engaged. Can you imagine? Tracy, Tracy was not happy. She flew off the handles. She went crazy. She went crazy to like the whole family. She was shouting. She was saying that they all plotted this and did this on purpose. But it's like, Tracy, no one knew that you were engaged. Tracy seems like one of those people that feels like everyone is out to get them and everyone is plotting against them and everyone's trying to take their limelight away from them, which is just simply not the case most of the time. Tracy doesn't see it like this and she just thinks that Lee's family don't like her and have done this on purpose, which obviously they didn't. And then what creates even more drama between Tracy and Lee's sister, Michelle, is that there is a little bit of tension on Tracy's daughter, Carla, on whether she's gonna be bridesmaid or not at Michelle's wedding. Oh, the family drama. I feel like we can all relate to this kind of drama. Tracy is so angry because of all of these issues on whether her daughter is going to be bridesmaid or not. She says that she's not gonna to go to the wedding. Mm, she is not going, but not only that, she tells Lee that he is not allowed to go to his sister's wedding. And that is the only way she will stay in a relationship with him is if he doesn't go. He's not allowed to go to his sister's wedding because, um, I'm sorry, wow. And by some miracle, I don't know why, but Lee agrees to these terms. So Lee misses out on his sister's wedding. And as you can imagine, Lee's family are just so angry at this point. They're done with Tracy. And from this moment on, Lee's family, particularly Lee's mom, doesn't want anything to do with Tracy. They have wiped their hands of her. And then there is another twist to the story because Tracy falls pregnant. And Tracy and Lee are over the moon with this and they decide between themselves that they kind of need to put their volatile relationship behind them. Just make things a little bit more stable. I mean, they're bringing a child into this world now. However, two months later, Tracy had some terrible news. She'd actually suffered a miscarriage because she fell down some stairs when she was out. And Tracy and Lee really pulled together to try and get through this. And also Lee's family, which 
have up until now, they don't want anything to do with Tracy. They put all of the drama and everything behind them because they realize that this is bigger than some petty drama and rally around Tracy and Lee to support them through this absolutely devastating time. However, it is not long before Tracy and Lee go back to their old ways and start arguing again and falling out, breaking up. And there was this one really big argument where it came out that Tracy never had a miscarriage. She actually had an abortion behind Lee's back. I just, oh God, it takes a special person to do that, doesn't it? It's just, it's actually, it's sick. It's horrible. Lee is devastated about this. It's like, who does this? Really, like who does this? But even after this, Lee decides to stick by Tracy. So I think we have a pretty good idea of the dynamic of Tracy and Lee's relationship. It was it was a train wreck, but Lee just can't seem to stay away from Tracy and no one can understand why, but their relationship just carries on the same until the 30th of November, 1996. So on this day, Tracy is taking her own daughter and Lee's daughter out for the day and Lee offers to take his own daughter, Danielle, home after the day out. Seems like a pretty normal thing to do, you know, nothing crazy or anything. However, Tracy doesn't see it like this. Tracy goes crazy at Lee offering to do this because in Tracy's mind, she thinks Lee is only offering to take his own daughter back to her house, to her mom, because Lee must be having a little thing going on with his ex. It's like Tracy, he's only offering to take his daughter home, like a normal dad. Anyway, to no surprise of any of us here, this ends up in a huge argument, probably the biggest one they've ever had. But after the dust settles on the argument, they decide, you know what, let's just calm down and let's go to the pub, let's have a few drinks. So they head to the Mulbrook pub in Bromsgrove, which is about a 10 minute drive from Tracy's house. They have a few drinks and they end up leaving the pub at 9.45 p.m. And this is where things take a turn for the worse. So Tracy and Lee are driving home. They take a normal route home, a route that they've been down many, many times. And a lot of the route is down some country lanes. So they're very narrow, very windy. However, on this night, they don't end up making it home. At 10.45 p.m., an hour after Tracy and Lee leave the pub, a couple in a cottage that live just off one of these country lanes hears screaming. They look out of the window and they see a couple, which is Tracy and Lee. They see a woman holding a man, and obviously it's Tracy holding Lee, and there is blood everywhere. So they immediately call the police, and Lee has suffered terrible injuries and very sadly he is pronounced dead when the police arrive. He had a total of 42 stab wounds and these stab wounds were on his neck, his chest and his back and the wound that had proved to be fatal was a stab wound to the neck which had severed an artery. Tracy had also suffered some cuts and bruises to her face. They were pretty superficial though so overall she was fine and Tracy is in hysterics. She can't really remember like specific details of of the attack and what happened. And she is taken to hospital for treatment. She does require some stitches on the injuries on her face. And while she is at the hospital, she's definitely behaving uh, a little bit suspiciously. Something that the hospital staff did take note of, um, which at the time they didn't think was weird, 
but it is weird, so remember this little thing. Uh, she kept taking trips to the bathroom, like more than normal. So yeah, remember that. So after Tracy has received the treatment for her injuries, around 1 a.m. she is taken to Redditch Police Station for questioning. The police just wanna know like what the hell happened. So Tracy says that when they left the pub at 9.45, they were driving down the country roads when a car came up behind them and was just looking for trouble. The car was honking the horn, it was flashing the light. It was going really close to Tracy and Lee's car and then like backing off and then going really close again. Like, you know, just being annoying to which Lee was getting really frustrated with this other car. So much so that he actually pulls over and stops the car and the car behind Tracy and Lee does the same. And then Lee and the driver of the car both get out of their cars and start going at each other. They're arguing. The argument just dies down. Lee goes to return to his car. The driver of the other car goes to return to his car. But then the passenger of the other car gets out. And before anyone can do anything, the passenger of the other car starts attacking Lee. But Tracy jumps out of the car. She tries to help Lee, but the passenger of the car turns around, calls her a slut and punches her in the face, which is how Tracy got all of her facial injuries. And then after this, the passenger of the other car returns to his car and the other car just drives off, to which Tracy finally can get to Lee and she can see just how badly Lee has been attacked. And it is at this point that Tracy realizes that Lee has been stabbed multiple times because there is so much blood everywhere. There is a pool of blood around Lee. The police ask Tracy for a description of the attacker, to which Tracy describes him as an older looking man who was wearing a donkey jacket. I didn't know what a donkey jacket was, so I had to Google it, but just like a regular jacket um, with like patches here. Um, and this is her words, not mine, but she said, quote, a fat man with starey eyes, end quote. Police then ask if she can remember the other car. Um, and Tracy says, yeah, they were driving a Ford Sierra and it was a dark color, which the police find a little bit suspicious because when they arrived at the scene, Tracy couldn't remember anything about the other car. She couldn't remember any specific details. And now all of a sudden she can remember, which is quite plausible. Like I don't really feel like that is suspicious at this point um, because when you've just gone through something traumatic, you can't always remember the details. And then when you come out of the situation and you've calmed down and you've collected yourself, then you can remember things. So it's not too suspicious. However, the police do kind of note this and think, Hmm, it's a little bit weird. The police also see the blood splatter on Tracy's clothes. And the police ask Tracy, like, how did this blood get all over your clothes, you know? And Tracy says that the blood must have come from when she found Lee on the floor and she was holding him. And that is how his blood got onto her. However, the police know that something's up right here because they're experienced in these things, you know? They know what blood patterns and everything look like on clothes. And they know that the pattern of the blood on Tracy's clothes is closer to that of an attacker rather than someone holding someone that has just been attacked. So again, the police are just like, something's not adding up here. This is like the second thing now that is a little bit suspicious. And I just wanna point out the police aren't the only ones that are suspicious of Tracy at this point. Lee's family is incredibly suspicious of Tracy. I mean, obviously, why wouldn't they? They know the history of the two of them, but they're so suspicious because they're like, Lee wouldn't do this. Like Lee is not a violent man. He would not pull over and confront somebody. So they know that something's off. I don't know what they're quite thinking right now, but they know something's not quite right. And they know that Tracy 
is not telling the complete story and that she knows more. But anyway, the police go along with Tracy's story for now. So anyway, the police hold a press conference to try and raise awareness of the crime, to try and find any witnesses that can come forward to try and help them solve this and try and help them find this other car, the other attacker, because right now they don't really have much to go on. And they ask Tracy to speak out at this press conference, to which first Tracy is very hesitant. She doesn't really want to do it. But then she realizes, hang on a minute, I would be sent to retention if I did this press conference. Everybody's eyes are going to be on me. I'm going to be the victim. Everyone's going to feel sorry for me. I'm going to do it. Like I said, if there's one thing you should know about Tracy, that she loves being the center of attention. So she just couldn't resist this opportunity. So when Tracy turns up at the press conference, all of the flashes are going from the media and she's probably like getting her little celebrity moment, you know, feeling herself. So Tracy starts by just retelling the story of the night that the murder happened and just that the car was following them, the car was harassing them, then Lee pulled over, there was a little bit of a confrontation and then the passenger of the car got out and brutally murdered Lee. And then she does something that completely shocks everyone. She looks to the camera and she starts speaking directly to the driver of that other car and starts saying like directly to the driver, please come forward, you're not in trouble. We know that you're not the bad person here, just come forward. It's only the passenger of the car that the police want. You won't get into any trouble. And the police are like, what? That's not true for starters. They are in trouble because they're an accessory to murder. In the press conference, Tracy's obviously in the middle and you can see one of the officers next to Tracy. You can see like he's trying to keep his composure because he doesn't want to let on that this is not planned. But you can see him almost do like a little twitch and like a look to the side because he's like, what the? This is just not normal behavior for someone in a press conference, for someone that has just been through the traumatic experience that Tracy has apparently just been through. Tracy is just really taking command of this press conference. She's speaking directly to the camera. She is so confident in how she's speaking and her delivery of the story. There is absolutely no hesitation at all. And the journalists that were in the room were a little bit thrown by Tracy and just how confident she was because they're used to having to prompt the person like doing the press conference. They're used to having to ask the questions and really try and get the information out of the person because quite understandably, they're traumatized from whatever they've just been through. And they're also not used to a situation where they're sat in front of so many people on TV. The journalists have to normally drag the information out of them but not Tracy. She's really taken control of this. So much so that it almost feels a little bit rehearsed. So when Tracy finishes rambling on, telling her story and everything, journalists start asking questions and they just want clarification on a few of the simple details, you know, not difficult questions or anything like that. And one journalist just comes out and says, the timelines don't add up here. So you're telling me that you left the pub at 9.45, you drove home, which only takes 10 minutes, but then it was 10.45 that the attack apparently happened. What the hell happened in that hour? And I wanna know what happened in this hour as well. But this is the first time that Tracy falls silent. This is the first time that her mask, if you will, 
falls a little bit because she doesn't know what to do here because she was probably just expecting that no one would question her because she's a victim in this. Like, why would anyone question her? Well, you know what, Tracy, when your story doesn't add up, people are gonna question you. And Tracy doesn't actually answer this question. She's just looking really shifty and uncomfortable to which the police um, end the press conference there. I don't know why they decided to end the press conference though. If I was one of those police officers, I'd have been like, yeah, Tracy, what the hell happened in that hour? Why don't you answer that for us? So it's not just the police now that are suspicious of Tracy. All of the journalists, well, I can't say all of the journalists, but probably most of the journalists that were in that room were suspicious of Tracy as well. And then a few days later on the 4th of December, Tracy was rushed to the hospital after an overdose. She had written a suicide letter to her daughter and just expressed that she couldn't go on anymore. She couldn't live without Lee. And then after writing this suicide letter, she did take a load of pills, but she was found and she was rushed to the hospital and her stomach was pumped and she survived. And whilst Tracy was in the hospital recovering from this, the police were actually making some breakthroughs on the case that definitely put into question Tracy's story. A couple had come forward after seeing the press conference on TV and said that they were actually driving on the same road as Lee and Tracy on the same night as Lee and Tracy, and they even saw Lee and Tracy on that road. And the couple distinctively remember Lee and Tracy because of Lee's car. Like it was quite a unique car, so it stood out to them. So this couple were driving behind Tracy and Lee on the exact same road that Tracy had claimed that these attackers were chasing them. But this couple that had come forward had said that this was completely impossible. Like this was a really long, narrow, windy country road. Like you notice other cars around you because you have to be really alert when you're driving down those roads. Like I don't drive down those roads. They make me way too nervous. But they said that it was impossible because there was just no other cars around. And the couple said that they could even tell that Lee and Tracy were arguing or there were definitely something going on because of the way Lee was driving. Like he was driving all over the place. And then another witness came forward. A little girl had come forward that lived in a nearby house and said that she could hear two people arguing. But the two people that were arguing was a man and a woman, not two men, which is what Tracy claims. So so Tracy's story is really falling apart here. So police now have witnesses that contradict Tracy's story. Plus they already have their suspicions of Tracy anyway. And this is enough for the police to just be like, yeah, well, I think we need to arrest Tracy Andrews. So on the 7th of December, when Tracy is still in hospital, the police go and arrest her for the murder of Lee Harvey. However, she is granted bail and is released and allowed to go live at home. And it is at this point that the media go crazy on this story because it's like everyone has been following this story. Tracy made a national TV appearance with her press conference. Everyone has been following this story. So when it came out that she had been arrested for the murder that she was claiming to be victim of, you can imagine the shock and everyone went crazy. So many people watched that press conference that Tracy gave that her fiance had been murdered out of a road rage attack. But now it's been revealed that she's been lying the whole time and literally tried to fool the whole nation. So you can imagine, of course, how big this story became. And the paparazzi followed Tracy everywhere. Now, I feel like a normal person, if they were in this situation, they would just stay at home, they would lay low, they wouldn't wanna be in the papers, but Tracy 
is not normal and she loves attention. So she was out all of the time getting snapped by paparazzi. She probably loved this. She was out living her life. She was partying all the time acting like she hasn't just killed her fiance. So when the trial begins in Birmingham Crown Court in July of 1997, Tracy is still sticking to her original story that she is a victim, that these two random men came and attacked her and her fiance and murdered her fiance. And of course she pleads not guilty. However, of course, She's lying. So the prosecution just start chipping away at her story bit by bit. They start by bringing character witnesses in and we all know what Tracy's character was like. So that definitely didn't help her, did it? And then the prosecution from all of the evidence and everything that they've gathered uh, presented to the jury the events of the 30th of November and what actually happened. So they say that Tracy and Lee were at the pub, like they were, um, but you remember the argument that they had earlier on in the day about Lee dropping his daughter home. You remember that? So the prosecution think that Tracy didn't drop this argument um, and the arguments kind of carried on in the pub, you know, which is what spilled out into the car when they left, which is what the witnesses saw. And the argument in the car got so like heated that Lee pulled over and this is when they were shouting in the street, which is what their little girl heard. And then Tracy, in a fit of rage from this argument, took out a little Swiss army knife from the glove box in the car and attacks Lee. And Lee had fought for his life, which explains Tracy's injuries to her face. However, the initial stab wound to Lee had weakened him so much that he was unable to fight Tracy off completely. So Tracy managed to overpower Lee and stab him a total of 42 times, which I just wanna point out is very, very excessive. There was plenty of time for Tracy to actually realize what she was doing and stop 42 times. 42 times. So the evidence that the prosecution had against Tracy was the blood spatter and the pattern that it made on Tracy's top could have only come from somebody attacking someone with a knife. Also, they had found bits of the Swiss army knife like in the bushes, like at the crime scene, because you know, like a Swiss army knife has all those like things. Um, clearly some had broken off in the attack. And then there is evidence of Tracy disposing of the murder weapon. Remember when she was in hospital and she kept going to the bathroom? Well, guess what she was doing in the bathroom? Flushing the knife down the toilet. I don't know why she had to go to the bathroom so many times. Maybe she just kept going back to check that it had actually flushed and it didn't come back up. There was also evidence in the boots Tracy was wearing on that night. So when they were examined, they found a bloody imprint on the inside of the boot, which matched exactly to a Swiss army knife. So basically she'd stabbed Lee 42 times and then with the Swiss army knife she had slotted it into her boot to then get rid of at the hospital. And then another significant piece of evidence that the prosecution found was that there was a clump of Tracy's hair in Lee's hand. 80 strands to be exact which is a hell of a lot of hair when you think about it and that would have only come from someone fighting for their life. I think Tracy tried to claim that Lee like reached up to her or something. I don't know I can't quite remember. He's not gonna reach up to you when he's like on the floor after this attack and pull out 80 strands of your hair. Like, who are you trying to kid, Tracy? Of course, the jury sees straight through Tracy. They don't believe her at all. Um, and they do find her guilty unanimously. And she receives a life sentence with the minimum of 14 years. But the story doesn't end there. 
Tracy actually had quite an interesting time in prison as well. And while she is in prison, she is still making headlines in the tabloid newspapers. Tracy does try to appeal her sentence because she said that the jury were biased because of all of the media coverage that happened on her case, which of course could be true, but she's still guilty, so it was denied. So because this didn't work, Tracy decided to change up her tactic, and what does she do? She changes her story. She now admits to the murder. Mm -hmm. But her new story is that she was acting in self-defense. She said that Lee had been abusing her, which there is no evidence of whatsoever. And it's just like, Tracy, do you literally have no shame? Like seriously. She then caused public outrage because it was discovered that Tracy had had cosmetic surgery on the NHS while she was in prison. She had cosmetic surgery to correct her protruding jaw, which cost the taxpayers 5,000 pounds. And the public just felt like it was a kick in the teeth. Like, why are we paying for cosmetic surgery for somebody that is in prison for murder? Like, I've actually never heard of this happening before. Like, or I, what? Of course, there could have been legitimate medical reasons why she did have this surgery. I don't know. And I couldn't find any. She was also described as a shopaholic whilst in prison. How? How can you be a shopaholic when you're in prison? But anyway, uh, she would get lots of letters and donations from the public, which she was able to use that money to buy lots of beauty products when she was in prison. And she became known to be somewhat of a beauty guru. <laughs> When she was in prison, she would give tips and tricks to the other prisoners on like how to do their hair and how to do their makeup. <laughs> it's just like, wow. So you're having cosmetic surgery, and you're a shopaholic in prison. It doesn't really sound like prison to me. And much to the dismay of Lee's family, Tracy was released in July of 2011, aged only 42. When she came out of prison, she changed her name. She changed it to Tia Carter. Um, she also dyed her hair dark, but this didn't stop the cameras from following her around, which she probably was secretly glad about. And since she has been released, she has remarried. And at her Hindu for the wedding, she was photographed dressed as a police officer. And the Hindu was just before Father's Day. And when these pictures were released to the public, it was actually on Father's Day, like they were in the newspaper on Father's Day. And can you imagine Lee's daughter having to see these photographs of the woman that murdered her father having a good time on her Hindu on Father's Day. It's just so messed up. I just can't. So that was the case of Tracy Andrews. And did that one make your blood boil at the end? Because I'm sure it did. Tracy got out after only 14 years. Oh, it's ridiculous, isn't it? Only 14 years. And looking back at some of the comments on the YouTube video, this was definitely the main theme that I saw. A lot of people were outraged by Tracy's short sentence, outraged by the fact that Tracy was released while she was still only 42 years old. That is still so young. She was able to go on and live her life. And another thing that I saw in the comments was how many people vividly remember this case. And it wasn't just the people in the comments that remembered this case. Since posting this case on YouTube, I've spoken to a lot of people in my own life about this case, family members that were living in Birmingham during the time, and they 
remember it. I only had to say Tracy Andrews' name and they knew the case. I didn't realise how well known it was. It was a huge deal here in the West Midlands. Everyone saw that press conference on the news. Everyone remembers the outrage when the truth came out. Everyone that I've spoken to about this case has been telling me how infuriated they were when they found out what Tracy Andrews had done. So I knew that this case was infamous, but it was definitely more infamous than I thought. But the real takeaway here should be the tragic loss of Lee Harvey. He was so cruelly taken away from his family by Tracy and my heart really does go out to them. It really is unfair that Tracy got such a short sentence and was probably able to start her life again. I don't quite know where she is in the UK, but... I'm sure she's living her life and Lee Harvey isn't. And that truly isn't fair. So that is the end of Tracy Andrews. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening today. Subscribe or follow to make sure you never miss an episode of The Criminal Makeup. And I would love it if you could leave a review. In the meantime, if you've been affected by any of the themes in this episode, please take the time to look at the description for this episode for some helpful resources. Special thanks to my producers at Audio Boom Studios, and I'll see you all in the next one.